are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. So where's the offering plate? That question has been asked a fair amount in the last year or so as we came back together in this offering, uh, in this worship space um, after our time apart with COVID. Well, in case you missed it, the offering plate's right here. This is what it looks like. Um, it's a nice, firm, probably brass bowl that we have used over the years to pass up and down the pews to receive offerings of dollars and checks and whatever else people might want to put in here to support the mission and ministry of the church. We have not resumed passing that offering plate since COVID, um, instead inviting people to put whatever they might like to in the lectern at the back of the sanctuary or to give online. There are several reasons why we have not resumed passing the offering plate. For one, we're still a little cautious about COVID, Secondly, sometimes people spread out a little bit in the sanctuary, and that makes passing the offering plate a little more tricky on occasion. We also haven't been passing the offering plate because more and more people are giving online. And quite frankly, we haven't seen any major changes in the giving patterns of the congregation since we've stopped passing the offering plate. For me, personally, I think the biggest reason why we haven't passed the offering plate is because I don't like the idea of someone sitting in the pews and feeling like they have to put something in, right? You probably know the dynamics. You're sitting there in the pews, and here comes the offering plate, like, oh, everybody's looking at me. I got to put, put something in. So you, you dig down or, you know, do what you can, and not a lot of people carrying cash anymore anyway. That's another factor in this. But, you know, the thing is, I don't want anybody feeling pressured to put something in the offering plate unless they really want to. Um, you know, I think of it as I don't want the guilt trip $5 bills. I don't want you feeling guilty like somebody's watching and you have to throw something in the offering plate and put a $5 bill in there with some sense of resentment. That's not what we're looking for. If you want to give, great. If you don't, that's, you know, whatever. A lot, a lot of options here. So it's important to just be mindful of this. And we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about money. Um, we do that very rarely, but we're going to do that today. Um, and the relationship between money and religious institutions is a little bit complicated. Um, when healthy, people give their dollars to a religious organization, and good things happen. And good things happen out in the, out in the world, and you know, when they give to a, a church, a synagogue, a mosque, whatever. And I think that's what happens here at Covenant Presbyterian Church. We give our money, and a lot of other things, to support the mission and ministry of the church, and good things happen. We gather for worship, and there's wonderful music, and insp inspiration and encouragement for faithful living. We have engaging children and youth ministries programs so kids can have fun and learn who they are and learn about God's love. We have small groups and adult education classes so people can come together, get to know one another, share the journey together, learn and grow. We take care of one another. We pray for one another. We, we, we love one another through hard and challenging times. We comfort those who are, are mourning. We try to be a resource for our neighbors. Uh, making this building available for a lot of people. 
We try to serve the community. We try to work with partners locally and globally um, who are working to make this world a better place. So we resource them with our, with our bodies, with our dollars, whatever. And really, we, we see this church as a place for people to come together um, to learn about God's love and then to go to live God's love. That's kind of the, the, the battery charging station aspect of it. We come together to remember who we are, who we're called to be, and then go out into the world to, uh, to make it real. So that's why we talk about learning God's love and living God's love. And the reality is that money helps all those things happen. Unfortunately, there are a small percentage of churches and a small percentage of religious leaders who are corrupt and greedy and get all the headlines and make a bad name for a lot of religious institutions. So it makes it a little hard to talk about money sometimes because there's this perception out there of the few bad apples that make it, make it hard for everybody, everybody else. Um, those high-profile greed and corruption cases make it hard for everybody. Um, already challenging conversations about money become even harder, but you know, as we have learned over the last few years, having difficult conver- uh, conversations about challenging topics is hard, but it's important. We've had conversations about sex. We've had conversations about death and dying. We've had conversations about alcohol, and we have periodic conversations about money. A lot of conversations people don't want to have, but they realize it's important to have. So a little bit of a talk today. First off, let me um, reassure you, um, one of the things I love about this church, there are a lot of checks and balances in place. There are a ton of checks and balances in place to make sure every dollar goes where it's supposed to go and a lot of eyeballs on it. Anybody's welcome to come to the finance committee if you want, as a matter of fact. Um, Every three years, we have a rather extensive financial review done by a local accounting firm with no connections to the church whatsoever, and they give us some guidelines and some suggestions about things we could do a little better, um, but overall, we get high marks from them. Um, So that's important. One of the reasons that I think it's important to talk about money is because Jesus talked about money. You look at the Gospels, and of all the things he talked about, He said more about money and possessions than pretty much anything else except maybe the kingdom of God in general. So if Jesus talked about money, then we probably should too. And the the Bible is actually filled with messages, teachings about money and possessions. And in the next minute or two, you're going to get a crash course Bible study on um, some of the things that the Bible says about money and possessions. Right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You'll be a slave to one or slave to the other. Um, you cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus was saying you have to be really clear about your priorities. In the little book of 1 Timothy, near the end of the New Testament, there's a teaching about contentment, um, which seems vital for our world today. Godliness combined with contentment, the love of money, not money itself, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Probably don't have to look far in the news to find stories of people who've gotten a little overboard with money and possessions and gotten into all kinds of trouble, right? That happens. I love this verse from Proverbs, just a simple appeal for contentment. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that I need. Wouldn't we be in better shape if we prayed that and lived that on a more regular basis? 
Then Jesus said in Luke's gospel, with a little bit more of an edge, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, in the time of Jesus, much more so than now, poor people were looked upon as you know, despised by God or poor because God didn't love them. And then Jesus also said, woe to you who are rich, you've received your consolation, flipping on the head, uh, the, flipping on its head the conventional wisdom that said rich people were blessed by God, right? And then Hebrews, towards the end of the, the, uh, the New Testament, keep your lives free from the love of money, be content with what you have. God has said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Some wonderful teachings about money, possessions, running through the scriptures. There's one more that I want to share with you um, that comes from Luke's gospel and sort of a helpful frame for living, basically saying if you've been given a lot, God might expect a lot. Jesus said, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. Slightly different way of saying it with the message paraphrase of scripture Great gifts mean great responsibilities, greater gifts, greater responsibilities. I find this verse particularly challenging for myself. I think of all the opportunities and privilege that I have in my life, I think that means God has high expectations for me. So I wrestle with this a lot. I think it's important for us to ponder these things in terms of our possessions, in terms of our lives. So we talk about money every so often because it's important, because it's in the Bible, and because there's so many ways that we are not living wisely and well with our money, so many ways that collectively as a society we're not being good stewards. I mean, look at the numbers in terms of credit card debt and personal bankruptcy and people who just spend a lot. And those of us who are of a certain age like to look at the young people and talk about how the young people aren't doing a good job with that. Well, where did the young people learn you know, their lessons about finance and stuff? So sometimes we don't set great examples. These are for all of us, and I think there's this some fundamental kind of common sense financial wisdom that comes out of our faith traditions that is helpful for us to talk about in light of loving God, loving neighbor, and not worshiping idols. You know, financial wisdom 101. Don't spend more than you earn. It sounds like common sense to a lot of us, but, you know, we need to remember that. Save for the future. You know, not everybody does. Discuss your finances. What a concept. If you're in a partnership, talk with your spouse, your partner about those finances. Make plans. And if you have different ideas, then maybe get some help and get somebody else talking with you about those finances. And finally, in terms of having a plan, um, it's good to be strategic about your finances and figure out, map things out. Some people have very detailed budgets. Some people aren't quite there. That's okay. Um, but I like the idea of having a, a plan like an 80-10-10 plan or you could have a 95-5 plan, whatever it is, where you know, 80% you live on that, 10% you save, 10% you give away in some way, shape, or form. So there's all sorts of ways that I think our faith um, teaches us to be wise with our finances, and then we need to connect the dots and, and talk about money in very real and concrete ways. We're having this conversation today in particular because October is the month of our generosity campaign where we ask people in this church to prayerfully consider a financial gift for the ongoing operating budget of this church for the year ahead. Um, we have been blessed. We're in a season with good financial health and things are going well and we want to continue having this church be strong and faithful well into the future. So this is the season when we're doing this. And I just a, a little aside here, if today is your first Sunday here, or second, or third, or if you're not, a, you're an infrequent visitor, um, you can like not listen to the next minute or two of this, or play on your phone or something, because it's not for you. We don't want 
we don't want your money at this point. You know, we don't want, you know, what, just, we're, not, we're not looking for that. It's, this is, this is a, a word for people who are invested here, um, physically, spiritually, um, with your presence. October is when we ask people to consider making a pledge, a commitment to the coming year, and we hope you'll consider that. Um, in a week or so, you'll get a packet in the mail, and there'll also be a website that will go live with all the same information for you to look at the church and prayerfully consider what kind of financial gift you might be able to make, what kind of pledge you can make. And making a pledge is really helpful because it helps the leaders, the nine elected leaders of the church called the session, it helps them to plan, to make our own budget so we can be good stewards of what the church has and and where we're going. Three weeks from today is what we call Generosity Commitment Sunday, when we hope to have a lot of pledges come in so that we can, again, start making those plans and be ready for the future. Now, if you've worshipped here previously, um, I'm hoping that you've heard the message when we do our invitation to the offering that the offering is a lot more than money. We have a, 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 a section in our service, like a lot of churches do, where we you know, used to pass the offering plates, and the, the optics were like, here are the plates, put them in money, that's what the offering is about. Like I said, that's part of it. What we've tried to emphasize the last year or two is that offering is much more than money, and that's a time in the worship service when we can spend listening to some great music, prayerfully pondering, how can I offer myself this week? What words could I use? What choice could I make with my time? Where could I get involved? In the church, beyond the church, wherever. How can I make a difference? How can I offer myself my own particular skills, gifts, my own particular puzzle piece? How can I help make this world a better place? That's what offering is about. Money's just just part of it, right? So that's why we're focusing on all these things today, and that's why part of our generosity campaign, there's a serving survey, which is a short questionnaire asking you about your interests and skills and what ways you might be interested in getting involved around here. So maybe you check off, yeah, I'll help serve coffee once in a while. That's a pretty easy access point for somebody. Or sure, I'll stand at the door and say hello and smile at people when they walk in the front door. Maybe I'll try ringing the bells or maybe I'll go on a mission trip or there's lots of opportunities there to think about ways you can serve. Maybe I'll write notes to people who are hurting, right? It's just meant mostly to help us all remember that we can contribute something. We all have a piece in a puzzle to play. The scripture theme for our generosity campaign this year, you see it on the screen here, continue encouraging one another and building each other up just like you're doing. We're using this theme of building blocks that we're called as a church to build up the church. Right? You look at the walls in this place. Look at all those bricks, hundreds of bricks. Each brick's about the same, and by itself, a couple of bricks... What's that? But together, big, strong wall for us. That's what, we're, that's what we're looking for. We've got 700 members of this church, and everybody's got something to contribute. And build up this church, keep it strong, make it even stronger. So we're going to look in just a minute at a list of 12 building blocks um, of the church and 12 sort of characteristics of members or people who are part of a church community. I shared this list in the church newsletter, and I've shared it a couple other times. And when I wrote in the church newsletter, I said something about, look at this list and see if there's an area where you might need to grow in. Well, I changed my mind since I wrote that, and I'd like you to do something else. We're going to read this list through together in just a minute. I'm going to read through all 12 of those building blocks. And as we read it, I'd like you to look at that list and try to see yourself on that list. 
and say, yeah, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm a little bit like that. I'm a, I'm a lot like that. So instead of looking at the list and saying, oh, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, keep in mind, nobody does everything on this list. It's like this you know, idealized list of what it is. So don't feel guilty you're not doing all 12. But look at the list and see yourself in one or two of those blocks and think, maybe I can take another step in that direction. Maybe I can build on that building block or make that building block a little stronger, a little, sol- a little more solid or a little bigger. And that's the idea with this list, um, which I think is helpful for us. And it's sort of the theme for the sermons that you'll hear over these next um, this Sunday and the next three Sundays. The list has a preface with it that goes like this. Membership in the church of Jesus Christ is a joy and a privilege. It's also a commitment to participate in Christ's mission. A faithful member bears witness to God's love and grace and promises to be involved responsibly in the ministry of Christ's church. Such involvement includes, and then the list begins. It's going to be up on the screen in just a minute, and I'd like you to read it together with me. And as you read it, think about yourself as a puzzle piece, as a brick, as a part of the, part of the place, and see which one of these really rings true for you and which one you might want to be pondering to, to grow even more in. The ministry of members. Proclaiming the good news in word and deed. Taking part in the common life and worship of a congregation. Lifting one another up in prayer, mutual concern, and active support. Studying scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life. Supporting the ministry of the church through the giving of money, time, and talents. Demonstrating a new quality of life within and through the church. Responding to God's activity in the world through Caring for God's creation, participating in the governing responsibilities of the church, reviewing and evaluating regularly the integrity of one's membership, and considering ways in which one's participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. over to this microphone. That was a long list, and did you notice the word money was just there once, right? The ministry of members is about a lot more than money. And the next ser- this sermon and the next three sermons you hear are all going to focus on one of these particular um, building blocks, if you will. Um, today, you might have figured out we're um, focused on supporting the ministry of the church through the giving of money, ta- time, and talents. Next week, you'll hear about studying scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life. The week after that, Megan's going to preach on um, taking, uh, lifting one another up in prayer and mutual concern and active support. And then in the last Sunday, we're going to look at the, the, the very last one on uh, Reformation Sunday and think about reviewing and evaluating and growing and being a church that's reformed and always in the process of being reformed, people that keep growing and learning and improving ourselves. So that's, those are the building blocks of the church, and maybe you found something in there that was helpful for, for you. I want to close today by 
focusing on one verse from the little book of 1 Peter, um, a book that reminds us that we all have something to offer, that we're all part of building up God's house. It's kind of like the the puzzle piece um, imagery that we heard with the kids today. And the verse says, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift you have received. Slightly different translation helps us see it in a different way from the common English Bible. Serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. And because I like reading the Bible in a lot of different translations because I'm kind of dense and it helps me understand it better when I see it a third time. Third time might be a charm for us. The message says, be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. Friends, the good news is that God has made us in God's image. We're all unique, distinct, wonderful, beloved children of God. We all have different skills, gifts, abilities, opportunities, experiences, and passions. And when we share those different things together, great things happen. In Jesus Christ, we're called together, called and claimed by God's love, and then given this new sense of purpose to fish for people, to look at the world in a new way, and to share those gifts however and wherever we can. So for the sake of this church, for the sake of the church universal, for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of our neighborhoods, for the sake of the world around us, and for the sake of God's kingdom, making this world a better place, let's share our gifts however and wherever we can. Thanks be to God. Amen.